I don't uh, know about you, but I really love this time of year. I think there's kind of this sense of wonder and awe that comes along with the Christmas season. You know what I'm talking about? Like that childlike wonder and, and just there's something unique, something different. I mean, you know, they play Bing Crosby on the radio and you're going, I just feel, I got all the feels, you know. But, but the more people that I've talked to this year, and even in my own personal life, some of the wonder and awe of the Christmas season has kind of fallen off a little bit. It's, it's like the people that I've talked to, and like I said, even my own personal life, that, that wonder and, and that reverence that comes along with Christmas just doesn't quite seem to be there. And I'm not sure why. I mean, for me, it may be the fact that I had to go to the grocery store yesterday. And the grocery store this time of year is an absolute madhouse. It's like wading through humanity in that place. I think my wife thinks it's funny to send me to the grocery store the day before Christmas Eve because she knows it's going to be a madhouse. And I get lost in there anyway. But then when it's extra busy, I have a tough time. Like I went to Longo's yesterday up by our house, and we live up uh, between Aurora and Stouffville. And, and, I, and I got just a couple things that I needed to get, and I'm going up to the cash register to check out, and I'm kind of like bumping into carts back at the very very back of the store, butcher section is there, and the bread section is there, and I'm going, why are all these people here? This is ridiculous. It was the line to check out all the way to the back of the store, and it wrapped around the bakery. I mean, hundreds of people, and I'm going, look, Merry Christmas, Poof, get out of the way, you know, like, like maybe that's part of, of, you know, the wonder and awe getting shaved off a little bit for me, or maybe it's What's going on in our world? Somebody hijacks a plane out of Syria or what's happening in Aleppo or what's, what happened in the Berlin Christmas market or even in the U.S. right now and the, and the division and, and what's happening there. I mean, uh, Amy and I are from the U.S. And, and our families and friends are just kind of polarized right now because of what's happening there. And, and that tends to put a damper on the wonder and awe that's supposed to come along with Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe in your own life, it's something happening personally with you and your family or in your relationships or at work or at school or in your financial life or your mental life, your emotional life that feels like, you know, I mean, as John Lennon once wrote, so this is Christmas. <laughs> I think it's supposed to feel like something different than this. So here's my hope tonight for you and for our time remaining together. It's just going to be another 15 minutes or so. I'm going to talk, and then we're going to sing a song and go home. Here's my hope, that I could bring a new sense of wonder and awe at the Christmas season for you this year. And, and the way we're going to do that is to look really closely at the manger in Bethlehem and what God did there and what he continues to do for us even now and to learn a little bit about the heart of God and the character of God, and then hopefully take a cue from him and live out some of those principles in our own life. And maybe, just maybe, we could find a renewed sense of wonder and awe at Christmas this year. And so here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with this really simple biblical principle, and here's the biblical principle. God has done for us so that we could do for others. God has done for us so that we could do for others. And I'll show you this in the scripture here momentarily, but listen to me here. God has blessed us so that we could bless others. God has given us hope so that we could bring others hope. God has bring, God brought us healing so that we could bring healing for others. The way that 1 John 4, 19 would say it is this. We love 
family, friends, relationships. The only reason we love is because God first, what? Loved us. You see, God loved us so that we could love others. God did for us. God has done for us so that we could do for others. And we see that in the nativity. We see that in Bethlehem. We see that in the manger that God has done for us so that we could do for others. And and specifically, there's three things that I want you to take away from Bethlehem tonight and bring home with you in terms of the things that God has done for us so that you could do them for others. So let's start here. We live in a world that's obsessed with acquiring. Have you ever noticed that? We live in a world that's obsessed with getting more stuff and more things and amassing more and more. And whatever we can buy, whatever we can purchase, we need another iPhone, iPad, I this, I that. And everybody's trying to get another car or a cottage or a house or a bigger house or whatever it is. We live in a world that's totally obsessed with acquisition. In fact, this time of year, this Christmas season that's supposed to be a time of giving, our spending goes up. Not just spending on others and giving away for others, but our spending on ourselves goes up. I, look at, I looked at uh, Statistics Canada this week for some stats on how we spend in December, like how t- typically uh, we spend in December. This is from 2015. Listen to this. In 2015, uh, can- Canadians spent $32.5 million on exercise and fitness equipment in December. That's twice the monthly average for exercise and fitness equipment. You know why we spent $32.5 million on exercise and fitness equipment? It's because we spent $4.6 billion on food and beverages in December, and we needed it. $543 million on TV, audio and video equipment. $416 million on toys and games. $166 million on cosmetics and fragrances. That's why you people smell so good. $122 million on jewelry and watches. We live in a culture of acquisition. The culture that's obsessed with gaining more. And we teach our kids this, too. You don't think you teach your kids this? I guarantee you, you teach your kids this. You know why? Because I teach my kid this by setting her in front of the little mermaid on Saturday mornings. You don't believe me? Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? A girl who has everything. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's-its and what's-its galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. If you know the song, sing it with me. I want more, right? Ariel from The Little Mermaid is teaching my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter that if she's sad, just buy more stuff. You don't even have to know what that thing is called. It's a thingamabob. I got 20, but who cares? No big deal. I want more. See, but God is not a God who is obsessed with acquiring. God is a God who's obsessed with giving. And in the manger, we're reminded that God gave so we could give. God gave so that we could give. God blessed us with his son, the greatest, most sacrificial gift that anyone has ever given so that we would be compelled to, motivated to give to somebody else. I thought I understood the nature of God's gift to us in his son, Jesus. I thought I understood it. And then I became a parent. (laughs) 
And, and then I understood it a little bit more. Because if I had to give my kid for you, the answer is going to be a big N-O. No. Not only that, but my little girl is adopted. So two and a half years ago, I stood on the curb of a hospital when my little girl was two days old and watched her birth mom place her into my care and my wife's care. The only reason someone would ever do something that sacrificial is because they loved so, so deeply. My little girl's birth mom loved her so much that she, what, gave. And I know the circumstance is different. I know the situation is different. But John 3.16 says that God loved us so much that he, what, gave his only son. This is a God obsessed with giving. And he does that so that we can give. My encouragement to you, my one little simple point of application this holiday season is for every one thing you get, give one thing away. For every one thing you get, give one thing away. Over the next 36 hours, you're probably going to open a lot of gifts. You probably opened a lot already. If you get a shirt, give a shirt away. If somebody hosts you for dinner and you don't have to pay for it, give some food away. If somebody gives you cash, don't give it all away. That's crazy. <laughs> but be sacrificial. God has given to you so that you could give to somebody else. Second thing we learn in the manger is that God came to make peace so that we could be peacemakers. God came to make peace so that we could make peace. And, and listen closely now because I think this is a really important distinction to draw here. God did not come to be a peace warrior or a peacekeeper. He came to be a peacemaker. Now listen to the difference now. See, a peace warrior rules with an iron fist and a sword and says, everybody shut up and be at peace or I'm going to have to use these things. That's a peace warrior. It's like me growing up in the back of a station wagon, and I used to sit in the middle, and I would pester my sister on this side and my brother on this side. And my dad would become what? A peace warrior. And he would say, now you three, specifically you, Luke, you shut up, or I will have to do what? Pull this car over. <laughs> that's a peace warrior. That, that's, that's not what God came to do. And, and then there are people that are peacekeepers. You know, you step into a situation and you realize that there's not peace, but you just ignore it. You just kind of sweep it under the rug. You just kind of turn a blind eye because you don't want to get in the middle of things. You don't want to have to deal with all that stuff. And you just kind of, mm, I'm just going to leave it over there and I'm, I'm not going to make peace. But see, that's not God. That's not what he did. He's not a peace warrior. He's not a peacekeeper. He's a peacemaker. I've heard it said this way before, that God had a personal problem with you and me, and he came personally to deal with it, to make peace. He got all up into the middle of our lack of peace so that he could make peace, first and foremost, so that you could have peace with him, but also so that you could have peace with your family, with your friends, peace between one another. And look, we, we can't control what's going on globally, can we? But, but you can control what's going on personally. <coughs> so here's my exhortation for what you can control. This Christmas, be a peacemaker. God came as a baby 2,000 years ago in order to make peace, so you be a peacemaker. 
Don't be a peace warrior. Don't be a peacekeeper. Be a peacemaker. So you may never hear a pastor say this ever again in your whole life, but I would invite you to take out your cell phone right now and shoot a text to an estranged friend or family member. Say, Merry Christmas. Love you. You're welcome to take out your cell phone if you'd like to do that. Or tonight or tomorrow when you're having your brunch or your Christmas roast or turkey or whatever else, and that one weird uncle comes, you know which one I'm talking about? If you don't know which one I'm talking about, it's probably you, by the way, okay? But if you know which one I'm talking about, just think of that person. And they have one too many cocktails, and they go, hey, let's talk about Donald Trump, okay? There's not going to be peace in that situation. So you can either be a peace warrior, and you can say, everyone, shut up. Or you can be a peacekeeper and kind of go, I'm going to get some more dessert. Or you can be a peacemaker and say, you know what? I, I just love us too much to let us go down that road in terms of a conversation. Can we talk about something else? Let's talk about the Blue Jays. I don't know. Pick something. I don't know. Not Trump, okay? Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker for that child that is wayward and far from your family and maybe even far from God. Send them a text. Shoot them a phone call. Be a peacemaker even when it comes to your ex-spouse. And, and I'm not talking about like you got to propose, let's get remarried. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is stop this stuff. You don't have to ignore it. And don't call them and tell them, you shut up and we're going to be at peace. That's not how that works either. Be a peacemaker. Why? Because God came to make peace. So you make peace. Now watch, here's, here's the last thing that we learned in, in the manger, and, and I love this. God slowed down so that we could slow down. God slowed down so that we could slow down. Listen to me here. God did not send his son Jesus with a lot of fanfare, pomp and circumstance. He didn't have a posse. He didn't have an entourage. There were no paparazzi shooting pictures. No palace. No helicopters. None of those crazy lights that they have when like a restaurant opens up. You know what I mean? No fireworks. None of that stuff. A food trough for livestock. A, a, a young, likely 13-year-old scared girl. Mary. And her betrothed, Joseph, probably in a cave or in a stable in Bethlehem because nobody could find it in their heart to give a place to stay to the scared young mom. This is how God chose to enter the world. Quiet, soft, and slow. He could have done it any way he chose, but he did it that way. And he modeled for us, slowing our pace down just a little bit. The Bible says that for God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. He, he's not slow in fulfilling his promises, but he is very, very patient. And in the manger, God empowers us and invites us to slow down a little bit. There's a song that we've sung here in the past, a, a Christmas song. The lyrics say this, you could have come like a mighty storm with all the strength of a hurricane. 
You could have come like a forest fire with the power of heaven in your flame. You could have swept in like a tidal wave or an ocean to ravish our hearts. You could have come through like a roaring flood to wipe away the things we've scarred. But you came like a winter snow. Can you picture it? When you wake up first thing in the morning and you look outside and the snow is falling, the lyricist said, you came like a winter snow, quiet, soft, slow, falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. Here's my invitation to you that in this Christmas season is to just slow down. Slow down. And you may be thinking, Luke, you are crazy. <laughs> you don't know my life. I do. I do. But this is my third service tonight. <laughs> and I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I've got holiday travel plans. I've got all that stuff going on, too. So let me give you a couple of practical suggestions where you can slow down, take a cue from God and through his son Jesus and slow down a little bit. Here's one. Wake up before everyone else tomorrow. Just 10 minutes. Young people, stay up 10 minutes later than everybody else tonight. Whatever it is, okay? And just have a cup of coffee by yourself. And just slow down. Over the next couple of days as you're driving, and it's just you in the car, turn off the radio, turn off the podcast, turn off the whatever it is, and just slow your brain down. When you're on your commute over the next couple of days and you're on TTC, you're on the bus or whatever, put your headphones in so that nobody talks to you, but don't turn any music on and just slow down. Just slow down. God gave his son for you, for me, the most extravagant gift that anyone has ever given or received. And he did so, so that we could give to others. He gave his son to make peace so that we could be peacemakers. And he did it in a slow and patient way so that our hearts could slow down. Don't let the tyranny of the urgent govern your insides this Christmas. But let Jesus slow you down just a little bit. So here's what we're going to do as we conclude. The choir is going to make their way back up here. They're going to sing Silent Night. We're going to join them in singing. They're on their way up even now. That's okay. And uh, we're going to light our candles together. And, and as we do that, I would invite you to see this candle lighting as a, as a symbol of this celebration that Jesus has given us his light and so we can give it away to others. Jesus has blessed us so we can bless others. Jesus has given to us so that we could give to others. So I'm gonna light my candle from the Christ candle. And every candle in this place is gonna be lit from the Christ candle. And as you light the candle of the person next to you, remember that God has given so that you could give away. And as this room is just filled with light, remember that God has given us, his son, the light of the world. As we do that, we're going to sing Silent Night. And for some of you, you've been to a lot of Christmas Eve services. You've sung Silent Night a lot of times. And you may have even been so theologically astute as to think, was it really that quiet? Like, was Jesus crying? Or Yes, probably. And it probably wasn't all that quiet. But let's think of it in a spiritual sense tonight, that... Our hearts can be quiet and silent, and they can be calm 
and our lights could be, or our hearts and our lives can be flooded with the brightness that is Jesus because of God's extravagant gift to us in and through his son. Let's pray together and then we're going to stand, sing, and light our candles. God, we are grateful that you are a giving God and not an acquiring God. We are grateful that you are a peacemaking, not a peacekeeping or a peace warrior God. That you get all up into the middle of our lack of peace in order to make peace. And we're grateful that you can slow us down this time of year and any time of year. God, as we do that now corporately, as we simply slow down, as the instruments kind of go away and we see this place flooded with light, would you cause our hearts to be still and quiet in your presence? As we remember the gift of Jesus. In Christ's name, God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing.
you raise your light with me. May the light of Christ fill your hearts and homes this Christmas season. Be a peacemaker. Be a giver. Slow down just a little bit. Amen. Because this is always an awkward moment, we're going to extinguish our candles together. Ready? One, two, three. Fantastic job. Blow them out. Blow them out. Don't touch your neighbor with them. Listen, a couple of things before you go. The first is this. You were given this card on the way in. It's got some materials on it for the next couple of Sundays, Christmas at home, uh, a little family devotional tomorrow. It's got stuff for the kids. It's got stuff for all ages. It's really well done. Our staff did a fantastic job putting it together. Make it a part of your Christmas day. It's brief. It's meaningful. It's impactful. I'm excited to do it with Kaya tomorrow, so make sure that you dial into that. And then January 1st, New Year's Day at home is a little step-by-step guide to kind of inviting people into your home on New Year's Day, that Sunday morning, because we won't be gathering here to be a giver, be a blesser, be somebody who brings life to your neighborhood and your community on New Year's Day. And then when we come back on January 8th, be here, 9, 15, and 11, Baptism Sunday is a blast around here. One more time. Merry Christmas. Hey, love you. Great to see you. See you on the 8th. Bye.